Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows across the country. 286, that's wrong, 287 affiliates strong because we just added the Cape in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. So I forgot about that for a minute there. And we want to welcome them. We're very happy to have them on board here as part of America's Healthcare Advocate family, and we were delighted to be broadcasting to the good folks down there. I spent three or four days down there, really enjoyed it. Great town, great people. So uh, a shout out to Cape Girardeau, Missouri. If you want to follow me on Facebook, you can do that at America's Healthcare Advocate. That's the Facebook page, America's Healthcare Advocate. Podcast, you want to go back and listen to a show. I had a gentleman call the other day that listened to one of their shows on the Wavi Brain Scan that we did about four months ago, five months ago, something like that. All all of the shows are on podcast. Tune in iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. They're listed on our website as well. So if you hear a broadcast that you want to tell somebody about, like the one we're going to do today, which you might find very interesting, especially if you're chronologically challenged, that means if you're a senior citizen, folks, um, then uh, you can go back up and uh, listen to it there or tell a friend, neighbor, family member, whatever the case may be. If you are looking for health insurance, you can reach out to the lovely Joyce Thompson at RPS Benefits by Design. Uh, you can reach her at 877-385-2224. If you're looking for Medicare or individual health insurance, Joyce is an expert and she does a wonderful job. I had a lady from Australia Believe it or not, she has dual citizenship, called the other day, and Joyce is getting her health insurance. So believe me, you just never know where people are going to call. I don't think we're broadcasting in Australia, but anyway. So uh, once again, that phone number is 877-385-2224. And Sue Denninger, who is also an expert on group health insurance, just uh, – Uh, wrote a case after a lady reached out to me from St. Louis, Missouri, and she uh, took care of her and put a good health insurance plan in place. Sue Deniger is also at 877-385-2224. All right, we're going to do a unique show today. We've got an interesting guest. He is Sean Bloom. He is the CEO of the National Pace Association, and and this directly affects seniors. This is and this is what fascinated me after I talked to Sean, uh, and I was introduced to him by Sam Glazer. Um, this is a fascinating organization, and there's certainly a need for what they're doing. So a little bit about Sean. Sean has been the president and CEO of National Pace Association since 2000. He is responsible for strategic direction, operational activities, and the overall performance of the association, and leads state related activity activities. Previously, he was 
is the executive director of the Missouri Association of Homes, which I did not know, uh, for the aging and worked in policy and government affairs division uh, leading uh, in work there. So welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you very much for having me. Well, this is a fascinating topic. And I you know, looked at your website and then you and I spoke and I spoke with Sam as well. Um, th- there's clearly a need for this and um, especially, and we'll get into a lot of this today on, on the broadcast, especially if seniors are looking for a way to stay out of, and I think that's probably the single biggest benefit to what you guys do, if they're looking for a way to stay out of um, uh, nursing home and care facilities. So let's just start off with what is PACE and how long have you all been around? Yeah, thank you. So PACE is actually an acronym for Program of All-Inclusive Care for the Elderly. Yeah, we're, um, I think, uh, the only really kind of complete care model that exists in this country. Uh, We've been around since uh, we started out as kind of um, an idea or demonstration program in San Francisco in the 70s. And a group of people in Chinatown were trying to find a way to care for loved ones without having to build a brand new nursing home in Chinatown. And they decided what they really wanted to do was kind of pull together um, uh, um, a range of services that seniors need and kind of put them under one roof um, whereby, you know, individuals that need that care can have all their care coordinated in one place. So that's kind of the general roots of uh, PACE. After several years of kind of evaluation by Congress and the states, we were made a permanent Medicare benefit in 1997. So you were, you're, you are now a permanent Medicare benefit that's available to people any place in the country. Yeah. Now we, um, there's, there's two elements to PACE. There's the Medicare side, and then there's also what I call the long-term care side. As many, many individuals know, and many individuals don't know, um, Medicare does not pay for ongoing long-term care needs. Medicare will pay obviously for uh, physicians. It'll pay for hospital care. It'll pay for limited home care after a hospital stay, but it do, does not provide for what I call the in-home support that indi- a lot of older individuals need to just perform their activities of daily living. So um, the other component is um, to Medicaid. Um, m- uh, most of our programs serve um, a l- large percentage of individuals that are that also have Medicaid. So for us to exist in a state, and we, we are in like 33 states right now, um, the states have to elect us as a Medicaid option. So, but for individuals that aren't Medicaid, they can, to the extent that a program exists, they can pay out of pocket for the, for the, um, for, for that portion of the payment. So if they don't, you know, in, in other words, if they make, if they have an income that precludes them from getting on Medicaid, they can still access the services. They just pay you directly for the services. Exactly. And for what it's worth, we are about half the cost of a nursing home. And for that out-of-pocket cost that the consumer would choose to pay to enroll in PACE, um, that doesn't change based on the care needs that they have. So, you know, we have a great success rate of keeping people in their homes. About 95% of the 60,000 people we serve um, remain living at home throughout their enrollment pace with only about 5% needing permanent nursing home stays. So, but regardless of whether someone chooses to enroll in PACE and needs nursing home care, the, their out-of-pocket cost will never change. That is absolutely remarkable. Go back through that number again when you were talking about the, uh, your ability to keep people out of nursing homes. What was that percentage again, Sean? Yeah, you know, on any given day, we track a lot of data. We track all the data in PACE. And um, on any given day, as I refer to it, um, only about 5% of the people we serve live in a nursing home. So we're able to keep 95% of people living in their homes in the community. 
you know, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, really, that if that's not a testament to what you guys are doing, I don't know what is. I mean, you know, one of the things that that, that seniors are concerned about, and, and, you know, I'm 72 years old, and I talk about that on the radio broadcast from time to time, uh, there certainly is an issue with, you know, thinking about down the road, you know, what you don't want to wind up having to do, which is go into a nursing home, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and be able to be someplace where you can have family care. But, you know, there's also the issue with how much of a burden does that put on the family member that's trying to take care of you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But what you're doing here um, kind of negates that from the standpoint of, you know, the burden on the family and puts this squarely in in, in paces uh, territory for you guys to manage and coordinate whatever it is they need. That's that's exactly right. And, you know, it's um, it's easy just to talk about what we do. I think it's also important in understanding PACE to really talk about what families experience when they try to help mom or dad or a spouse. You know, older adults, when they begin to have health needs, they're not just singularly a physician, not just singularly, um, you know, long-term care. They're a range of things. We need Often they need help arranging for their um, medications. They might need um, assistance in the home, getting mom in and out of bed. They might need help driving her to doctor's appointments. It's it's complicated. I think anybody that's ever dealt with this knows that it's very, very difficult, especially if you don't live with that person and you may live miles or states away. What PACE does very uniquely is um, we are truly all-inclusive. So when a person enrolls in PACE, we really kind of size up what their totality of their needs are, not only at home, but we really look at their social structure. We look at their, um, we look at their environment within that, which they live as well as their healthcare needs. And we develop very person-specific plans of care and intervention to really support that individual's care needs and coordinate all their services. You know, that's really quite remarkable. So basically what's happening is you're having someone go into the home, I assume, and evaluate mm-hmm. that senior. And, you know, one of the big concerns that, that, that caregivers have, especially, as you mentioned, if they're not in the same community, if they're living in a different city, a different state, whatever the case may be, is trying to keep people on their meds and how confusing it can be and, 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 you know, people forget to take them, um, you know, and then they have other health issues, et cetera. So, you know, the fact that you all are actually going into the home, I think, makes a tremendous difference. And it's a you, you've got a, a one on one there with an opportunity to evaluate the situation for that particular senior and find out what their needs are. When we come back from the break, we're going to dive further into this. I think this is fascinating. Um, I also think it's a wonderful program and something that that's the reason why we're putting it on the radio today is to give you this information so that if you have someone in this situation, maybe it's you, um, and you want help, their their website is www.npaonline.org. That's www.npaonline.org. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We've got more with Sean Bloom coming right up. tell me, darling? Well, 
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HI Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to our website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, the always perfect Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Coming up in this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Sean Bloom, CEO of the National Pace Association. You know, I really think these folks are the best kept secret in town, at least from what I can tell. I've been doing this a very long time, and I told Sean off air a minute ago that, you know, until Sam Glazer reached out to me from New York and told me about these folks, I had no idea it existed. And this is a service, I think, that, you know, you've got 10,000 seniors turning 65 every day. This is continuing, you know, the largest segment of the population is now seniors. So this is a very unique program. It offers, I think, wonderful services. If you go up on their website, which is www.npaonline.org, you can learn all about it, and they'll be happy to help you. Um, If you have Medicaid, it's covered under Medicaid in 33 states. If you don't, you can still pay for it. But you heard Sean say it's about half the cost of a nursing home. Who wouldn't rather stay in their home if they're ambulatory enough to be able to do it and have this kind of service? So once again, the website, www.npaonline.org. Sean, let's talk about how COVID-19 affected this, because we know there was some real tragedy in terms of things that happened in nursing homes in places like New York City and others, where you know th- there was a high rate of death and people infected. It wasn't handled properly. Um, talk about how... COVID affected you and your organization with people going, I don't want to be in a nursing home. Yeah, yeah. I think what we've um, lived through the last probably 18 months has been something that we will probably always remember and and hopefully learn from. Um, You know, for many years leading up to the pandemic, seniors have increasingly preferred to remain in their own homes as they age. But a lot of the services that existed across the states and across the country you know, weren't always sufficient to allow them to do that in an affordable kind of uh, effective manner. Um, during, you know, during the pandemic, unfortunately, what we learned is that, especially with respect to infection control, individuals that live in congregate environments like nursing homes and assisted living were particularly vulnerable. You know, these are individuals that are already there because they have significant care, care needs and they're quite clinically vulnerable. Yet you had um, very dedicated people that serve them and provide care to them coming in and out of those buildings repeatedly. Um, It's also true that, you know, these long-term care facilities were not prioritized with respect to the distribution of, you know, protective equipment. So I think those two, those factors coming together really resulted in a very large scale um, loss of life among seniors. And I think, you know, roughly, I think about a third of all deaths in this country are from nursing home residents, unfortunately. But I think moving forward, what we've learned is that Seniors are becoming much more diligent. We've experienced this firsthand, albeit anecdotally, much more diligent in looking for community-based alternatives like PACE. So we're encouraged by that. And if you can, if you consider that about, um, I think the capacity or, or occupancy of nursing homes has dropped about 20% over the last year, and we're going to see probably fairly large-scale closures or consolidations of facilities, 
we've got to build some new you know, community infrastructure in order to meet the needs of growing numbers of elderly people. You know, so th- that's interesting. I did not know that. So you've had 20% of the nursing homes, or you've had 20% drop, rather, in nursing home occupancy, which clearly, because I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that people that run nursing homes don't make a lot of money running the nursing homes, especially yeah. if they're people on Medicare and Medicaid, um, which pays very little uh, in terms yep. of reimbursement. You know, your social security, et cetera. So as that contracts, as you just mentioned, and as we see consolidation, what's going to happen to those people if they don't have a place to go? That's another issue that's coming. Looks like it's right around the corner. Yes. No, you, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, I think so, you know, if <clears throat> it's important, I think not only to look at the growing needs of larger numbers of elderly that need care, but you have to look at the services that are on the ground. <clears throat> and, you know, I, there was, a again, a substantial loss of life among nursing home residents, that was a pretty big factor in reducing nursing home occupancy. And then you add to that, I think, consumer hesitation or a, a complete prohibition from being able to move into a nursing home during the pandemic. And you've got a lot of empty beds. And, you know, in fairness to the long-term care facilities, they just simply, from a business standpoint, cannot operate at 60, 70, 80% capacity. It just doesn't work. So I think you're going to begin seeing a lot of closures, which lead to the question, what do we want to offer as an alternative other than an institution? And that's, I think, where PACE is ready to step up to that challenge. And we're seeing a lot of growth already. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We've seen some things really change in the healthcare space as a result of COVID-19. One of the things that happened that was, you know, for years, we begged people to use teledoc and, and virtual doctor appointments because especially if they were in rural communities and couldn't get to a facility or something wasn't convenient. And we were lucky if we had an employer-sponsored plan where 10 or 15% of the people participated. Well, that all changed with COVID. You know, we saw the numbers jump 93% from where they were, uh, people willing to people being willing to use the teledoc or willing to use the virtual appointments with with doctors where they, where they didn't go in and now people are, are you know they've used it and they like it they're doing more of it so my question to you is how much of that have you seen the same type of shift where people are calling you going I don't want to go into a nursing home, especially with everything that's going on right now. If there was ever a negative to it, it's certainly there now. How much of a shift has that made for you guys? Yeah, no, you're 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 right. You know, during the pandemic, we 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 had some areas of the country where we saw tremendous demand for pace. At a time when we had to be very, very careful, we were doing virtual kind of what I call engagements with potential consumers. But we are now coming out of the pandemic with a lot of individual. I think I read today, a third, two thirds of our country has received at least one dose of the vaccine, which is great progress. That is great Um, progress. That's wonderful progress. Yeah. yeah, And we've seen, we've seen substantial um, um, uptake of interest among consumers in pace. And some of that also, I think, has to do with, you know, our rates of infection and death were third or less than a third of what we saw in nursing homes during this period. And I think, you know, there's been enough information on the news that I think seniors are beginning to really think about what what kind of service options do I want? There might be something better. And to the extent that they know we exist, I think they are going to be able to stumble upon a little bit better service option that lets them stay at home. Yeah. And the, the other thing is, and we talked about this in the opening segment a little bit, is the ability to help caregivers manage this uh, without sticking people into a nursing home and warehousing them, which unfortunately, you know, we're 
we're really good at doing that in this country. Let's just put yeah. mom over in a home someplace so we don't have to deal with it. And I think some of that is changing. Would you agree? Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting about PACE, it, it, I think for families in particular, you know, we do these national surveys and ask families, how are we doing? You know, how is your life now in terms of, um, in terms of being a caregiver? Is it made it easier? And, you know, and the feedback we get is inspiring because I think what many, many families are, when they come to us with mom or dad or a husband or spouse, they're burnt out. They've been, to, you know, they've been providing care pretty much single-handedly for quite a while. Yeah. It's and a real... now we can step in, you know, yeah. and at the, and the, at the center of the PACE program is actually what's called an interdisciplinary team. So every day, a group of employees consisting of physicians, nurses, social workers, physical therapists, the van driver, the home care aides, everybody that's involved in caring for mom or dad um, comes together every day and talks about how's he or she doing. That's pretty and impressive. And they're responsible for a very small number of people. Yeah. And then they, they, they pivot every day to meet the very unique needs of each individual. We're coming and up on the you, break, Sean. I got okay. to get Sorry us out here. We'll, we'll pick it up when we come back, though. This is interesting stuff, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting coast to coast across the Fruited Plain here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Our producer, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. Coming up this segment, we're going to continue this conversation with Sean Bloom, CEO of the National Pace Association. Remember, I told you in the opening segment that these shows are all on the podcast platforms. Tune in, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Speaker. I know I'm going to get a lot of calls, text messages, and emails asking me where to find the show. Go to our website. It'll be posted on the website. You can also go to those podcast platforms. It's up there on the podcast platform. So this is fascinating stuff, right? I mean, you're listening to Sean talk about how they do this, what a difference they make. You know, this organization's a great organization, been around for a long time, and they deliver a very unique service. Their website is www.npaonline.org, www.npaonline.org is the website. All the information is up there. It's a great website, and you can reach out to them and contact them. So, Sean, let's go back because we had to cut off there because we were up on a hard stop on the break. Let's go back. We, so your team, the doctor, the nurse, the van driver, the, the person that's going in the home every day to take care of daily needs if that needs to happen, they literally speak on a daily basis, were you saying? Yeah, it's called the morning meeting. It's it's something that sounds very kind of simple and common sense, but it's very effective. So if you think about it, you know, and you think about a PACE participant, you know, the, the daily kind of routine is we generally will go into the home. Um, someone will help them get up, get dressed. We, we bring them to the PACE van. We operate a very large kind of network of, of, of vans. Um, we bring them to the PACE center. And... Um, and during that time in the morning, the interdisciplinary team is actually meeting. And so what may happen is the, for example, the van driver, the home care may, aide may report to the team, you know, I noticed Mrs. Smith is kind of struggling today. She seems to be a little bit down. Social worker might chime in and said, well, you know, her daughter's out of town. She may be sad. The physical therapist might say, you know, she's been working really hard. Maybe she's sore. I'll take a look at her. 
you know, there's this real-time conversation by every person that lays hands on this person to really care for them. And that kind of intersection of communication has really proved to be effective in allowing people to remain living at home. As you said, it's simple common sense, but the fact that you do it and, and do it in an effective way that where you're actually tracking how that person's doing, um, if they're not taking their meds or if they've got this problem or that problem, you're going to know about that immediately. It's not something that's going to linger out there for two or three weeks before we find out what's going on. And, you know, they find mom at home passed out on the floor or something because she right. wasn't getting her meds or she was having this issue, that issue or another issue. So talk a little bit about the PACE Center because you mentioned that. And then let's kind of talk about a day in the life of a PACE participant but someone that is a participant in the program. Yeah. So the Pace Center is, um, you know, they're usually kind of buildings where, you know, our participants go. Um, Pace participants typically go to the Pace Center on average about three days a week. And, and there's a quite a bit of variation. Some individuals go seven days a week. Some may go once a week. It really depends on their specific needs and wants. But the Pace Center um, is a space where they can come in and they can have socialization. They can engage in activities. They can have, you know, a, a good hot meal. They, in many cases, we bring their laundry in and do their laundry. They may get personal care in a, in a form of a bath. They may have a physical therapy encounter. They, and, and then within the PACE Center, there's also um, physician's offices. So it's like a medical clinic. And that's where they see the physicians. That's where we might refill their meds. It's really kind of the, the focal point of, of um, organizing the services in PACE. That's pretty all-inclusive. That's uh, pretty remarkable stuff that you that you guys are doing there, Sean. So let's start with, you know, you, you have someone go into the home, they do an evaluation, then what? You put together a care plan and that care plan, then, you know, the participant okays the care plan and do you interact with the family on that at that point? How does that work? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So, you know, if a person chooses to enroll in PACE, you know, they pretty, they've made a decision. I want PACE program to manage all my Medicare benefits and all my long-term care needs. And that begins with what's referred to as a comprehensive assessment. Um, so the social worker would do an assessment, physical therapist, the physician, the nurse, basically the full range of team members would do their own individual assessment. And then that would roll into a kind of a comprehensive assessment that gives you a full 360 view of that person's needs. And then from that, the team works creatively with that individual to come up with a very personalized um, plan of care. And then we monitor their care every day. And if there's a change in conditions, we start that process over. Okay. So it's a very nimble, um, you know, uh, model of care that's able to really track individuals changing care needs from day to day. And, and, it, and it's all predicated on the kind of uh, plan, the goals of care for that individual. Many individuals may, they may not have a desire to live forever, but they want to have the ability to function, meaning I want to have the dignity of being able to get up and go to the bathroom by myself and do these things. Some individuals are saying, you know, what, I just want to be comfortable. So really based on their unique wants and needs, um, we develop very personalized plans of care. Yeah, it, it really sounds that way. It's, you know, I, I use a phrase on this broadcast often when I'm talking about healthcare needs that a size 44 overcoat doesn't fit everyone. Um, and that's exactly what this sounds like. You, you've got a very specific plan that works uh, to help these folks do what they need to do. Talk to me about how you've gone through this, you've done this now. How do you, and let's say there's a, a daughter or a son that's, you know, in another state or another city and they need to be part of this, or even if they're there, um, how do you coordinate with the family member? And if the family members in town, do, are they there when you're doing this initial assessment? Do you want them there? How does that all work? Yeah, we would prefer to always partner with um, family caregivers or caregivers in general. You know, I think it, it makes for a great team. 
Um, many families want to remain active in mom or dad's life and help out. But PACE program is really can be kind of the, 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 the broad-based kind of system and support that lets those caregiver, family caregivers be better caregivers and not become completely burnt out in doing so. So, yeah, we, yeah, we prefer to work very closely with families. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that there was a study done, I don't know how many years ago it was done, that uh, caregivers that, that wind up, you know, someone that has dementia or Alzheimer's or just needs daily care. And, you know, if it's the, if it's the spouse or if it's a daughter or a son, whatever the case may be, there's 70% likely that they are going to develop other medical issues as a direct result of handling the full-time care because the burden it puts on people, which actually surprised the daylights out of me, but it's a proven fact. Um, so, you know, their health is involved as well. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of research that's been done about the, the impact of being a caregiver. Uh, many individuals that do this tend to do it for, you know, a lengthy period of time, and it really does take its toll. You know, it stands to reason that if, uh, for example, a wife is taking care of their husband, you know, they're both, you know, advanced age. She probably likely has care needs. And um, it's sometimes just a little, it's too much. So that's where I think PACE programs are very unique. And it's also worth mentioning, we, you know, we don't, we don't build a government for each little discrete thing we do. We get paid one lump sum, which is the government's estimate of what it's going to cost to serve that specific individual. You get paid monthly. That does not change through the years, through the year. And and it's important to note that that kind of payment provides us with very strong incentives to get out in front of a person's care needs. Because if we don't do them well, if we don't address them well, and they end up in the hospital unnecessarily, we have to pay for that. So oh, that really? kind of financial risk that we bear is what really drives the incentives and pace to really be aligned with the people we serve. Wow, that's that's interesting. So, yeah, you're definitely incentivized. Um, and, and, and it's interesting that you guys put yourself at risk like that, which means you must be very comfortable with the fact that you can do this and do it successfully. Of course, I guess if I had a 95% success ratio, you should feel pretty comfortable with it because that's really quite remarkable. All right, so um, when we come back from the break here, we've got about another two minutes left, but when we come back from the break, I want to get into how people access the program, Sean, and then how, in, in fact, do they, do they pay for it? And, but before we get to that part in the next segment, so if you've got two people in the home then, and, and sh- the wife is the caregiver for the husband or, whatever, or the other way around, you can still come in and PACE will, will interact with that spouse while they're taking care of the person that needs care. Is that correct? Absolutely. And we have many instances across the country where we're serving both the husband and wife in PACE. Really? That's interesting. Yeah. So you're going in mm-hmm. and helping both of them every day with daily needs, taking them to the PACE Center, whatever the case may be. Absolutely. That's quite remarkable. You know, folks, uh, again, you, I think you're understanding why I wanted to do this show today and get this information out there. This is a unique program. Um, you know, they're offering services around the country. They're, they're certified in 33 states. We'll talk about all that when we come back from the break. We'll also talk about cost. But I think you're going to find this to be uh, very helpful and very useful, especially um, if you are a caregiver or you're, you're a family member that's trying to remotely take care of a parent um, that, that has got issues or a grandparent. So once again, their website is www.npaonline.org, www.npaonline.org. It's a great website. There's a ton of information up there. Um, you can reach out to them. They'll be happy to speak with you. We're, when I come back to the break, we'll talk about, you know, 
what communities they're in, and then if they're not in your community, what can be done to see that they do wind up uh, providing service in the community. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. We'll be back with more. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. As I said in the last segment, all of these shows are on the podcast platforms. Tune in, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spreaker also posted on the website. So I know we're going to get a lot of requests about this show because this is great information. And again, you know, I think this is probably the best kept secret in town in terms of what they do and what Sean's organization is offering. By the way, they are a not-for-profit, just in case anybody wondered about that. They are, in fact, a not-for-profit. All right, and the website is www.npaonline.org, npaonline.org. All right, Sean, let's, let's, you're in 33 states, so let's start with this. Um, for, if you're not in a state, or, can people access the care? No, you know, we only, again, we, we have to be authorized by the state to operate, okay. which is true with, you know, most uh, healthcare services. If you happen to find out that PACE is not available in your state, please contact your elected officials. There's, I think, there's quite a bit of activity right now in the states among legislatures and, and the administrations to really look at ways to kind of offer an expanded array of community-based options. So you, you might be surprised that your elected officials may be very favorable to your recommendation to kind of have them explore PACE. Yeah, and you've got four states you're currently working on. I think you said Minnesota, Ohio, Illinois, and Kentucky, where you're hopefully in the process of getting authorization to function in those states. Yes, we are seeing, you know, we've, we've been working, we constantly actually advocate for states to um, offer or expand pace. And it probably comes as no surprise coming out of the pandemic, we're seeing a lot more interest among states right now to offer pace. So that typically involves, you know, working with the administration, having the legislature authorize pace, and then finding providers to go out and begin developing programs. Yes, but that, we're very encouraged by what we're seeing right now. That's really good. That's good to hear. And some good news for folks here in the metro in the Kansas City Metro, our home base for our broadcast. Uh, PACE is offered in Kansas and Missouri, and you can access it in Kansas and Missouri. So there's some good news for the folks here in the Kansas City Metro. All right, so let's talk about now, um, if you if you, if you you have Medicaid, you simply go on the website, sign up, and then you send out somebody. How does that work, Sean? Yeah. So if individuals are interested in PACE, and by the way, the easiest way to find out where PACE exists is to go on our website and there's something called Pace, Find a Pace Program and you just put your zip code in there and it will let you know where the nearest program is to you if one exists. Um, and if you are interested then, and call the Pace Program and they can really hold your hand and walk you through the eligibility determination process. Yeah. Because to be eligible for Pace, you have to be 55 years of age and older, live within the Pace service area, which is typically about a, an hour driving radius around the Pace Center, right? and be, be determined by the state to need 
what's referred to as a nursing home level of care. That's easy. That's an easy instruction, folks. Very easy to do. Put the zip code in and uh, then they'll get you started on the program. All right. So now I'm not on Medicaid. I've got a long-term care policy, let's say. And my mm-hmm. long-term care policy, as I mentioned to you, I think Lori and I have one now. It's up to like $250 a day benefit. Either my long-term care can pay it because they have in-home care as part of the program, or if I'm paying out of pocket, what does it cost if somebody's just going to pay for it, Sean? Yeah, I think, you know, um, to the extent that individuals already have Part D coverage, you know, when they come in uh, Medicare Part D prescription drug coverage, when they come in the PACE program, they will need to pay for two things. One, um, their Part D coverage, and then they'll need to pay out-of-pocket. And the out-of-pocket cost for PACE on average is right around $2,900, about $3,000 a month. And that, and it will, again, it's important to note that will not change. Yeah, well, the so, other thing is that's a lot less money than going into a nursing home much <laughs> Substantially, like, yes. Yeah, it's significantly less money. And and the, for the comprehensive services that you're offering, um, th- that's very doable. I mean, that, that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense for people. And you, you don't have to be a multimillionaire to be able to afford that. Most people have enough savings in their home, other issues where they can they can get their hands on that kind of money. And maybe family members want to contribute to it as well. But that's, that's, uh, that's pretty unique. So talk a little bit about the Part D. So you guys actually administer the Part D prescription drug drug coverage for for the PACE participant. Yes, we so yeah, I mean our agreement with the federal government under Medicare is we provide or arrange for all Medicare benefits including the Part D coverage. So, and that's important because I think for a lot of older adults, they may be seen four specialists, they might be seeing their regular doc. And those, you know, and I think unfortunately many physicians out in the community and specialists, there's not a lot of means by which to communicate. So what you get is physicians that are independently prescribing one thing and not really fully understanding what another physician may be prescribing. And you can get what is referred to as some iatrogenic effects, meaning that too many medications causing too many problems. So by having PACE programs be very, very kind of singularly focused on the individual, we're, we're able to really pare back unnecessary drugs and make sure there's no drug-to-drug interaction as well. Yeah, because that is a big problem. And it's a problem because there is not a lot of coordination between doctors, unfortunately, unless everybody's in the same facility. And even there, if you know, it's funny, I had a situation with my wife where they, you know, we had an issue and they said, well, you need to be taking this. And I said, we are taking it. She's taking a large, it was an anti-acid uh, acid reflex medication. It said, it, oh yeah, it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, so don't call it a prescription for it because she's already taking it. So there are issues with that. And and the nice thing about your program is all of that is coordinated um, and it gives folks a, a central facility where they can have care and uh, folks in the family uh, can be involved in terms of understanding what's going on. And how often do you interface with the family members, Sean, quickly before we come up on the end of the show here? Yeah, it, I mean, it varies based on the individual and their needs, but, you know, it's frequently as needed. Um, okay. You know, in some cases that could be daily, it could be weekly, it could be monthly based on the unique, you know, needs of each individual. But, but you know, the way we get paid, you know, we get paid, again, a flat fee that doesn't change based on what we provide yeah. in the way of services. And that gives us an enormous amount of flexibility and creativity. We can build ramps. We can make modifications to the home that enable that person to live independently. And we do that in partnership with the families. Pretty remarkable stuff. And, and I think it's a remarkable program. I really appreciate your doing this today. Hopefully, we're going to do some more of this. The, the, once again, thanks for coming on, Sean. Again, folks, the website is www.npaonline.org. npaonline.org. There's a place up there to stick your zip code in. You did hear him say, 
say 55 and older, so I want to make sure everybody understands you don't have to be 65, okay, in order to qualify for this program. 55 and older, if you've got somebody that's in that range and needs help, this is a way to do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, now I leave you with this thought from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Americans must learn to live together as brothers and sisters, or we will surely perish as fools. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America.